Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission and are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word and that through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. All right. So we're going to get into our lesson tonight. We're not going to have worship uh, again Sunday. We'll be we'll have more of it'll be a little bit different, but we are going to have worship. We are going to have announcements, offering, and preaching. We'll try to follow as much of the format as we do on Sunday. I want you all to feel uh, the Living Hope Church family to feel some normalcy in this time where it seems like things change almost by the hour. And so I'm trying to maintain that schedule. So let's get into tonight's lesson. We're concluding. Uh, at least for, for now. There are two other lessons that we're going to do later on when we all get back together. But for now, we're concluding the 12 Apostles of Hell series that we started uh, a couple of months ago. All right, so remembering the purpose of this is not just so that we can know the names of the spirits that we're battling, but so that we can be more effective in spiritual warfare. Well, why would we want to be effective in spiritual warfare? So that we can be victorious, all right? The, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So our victory is not in the carnal realm, all right? Our victory really isn't political. It's not economical. Our victory is in the spirit realm. And so the reason that we're going through this series is so that we can be better equipped to be effective in spiritual warfare. All right. Amen. My father-in-law just logged in, and we've been praying for him. We're continuing to pray for you. Dad, we're praying for you, and I know some of you, I see, responded to him tonight. I told you it's going to be a little bit more informal, so I may respond as I'm teaching to some of the comments in there. Um, all right, so this is all about being more effective in spiritual warfare. So those who have greater effectiveness in spiritual warfare, three things about them. One, they're able to look beyond the traits that are being manifest and identify the predominant spirit that is causing the issue. All right, my dad also is on there. Bishop, we love you. Good to see you on here tonight as well. So number one, able to look beyond the predominant trait and to see the spirit, or rather to look beyond the manifest trait and identify the spirit that is at the root of what is being manifest. Secondly, to be skilled in how to deal with it. And then thirdly, they must possess the desire to be free from it. All right, so that's what this series is all about, is helping us to understand what that trait is and what uh, spirit is causing that. And then secondly, now the skill to deal with it. But then thirdly, and this is on you, this is on us as individuals, this can't be taught. It has to come from within. We have to have the desire to be free from it. And then the three battlefields of spiritual warfare. So as we're going to be more effective in spiritual warfare, um, it, it, there are three different battlefields, and they're progressive. First, it begins with obsession, and this is where our mind becomes consumed, all right? I don't know about you, but I battled in the last week, I think all of us have, battled the spirit of fear, all right? The, our minds, the attack on our minds. It doesn't mean we're possessed. It doesn't even mean that we are obsessed. It means that that's the battlefield, and we have to make a choice that we're going to defeat the enemy at that level because after obsession... The next battlefield is oppression, and that is where it goes beyond just obsessing our thoughts and our mind, 
and now it begins to affect our actions. All right, and then if we, if we still don't win the battle, then it progresses to the third level, and that is possession. All right, and this takes place when we just accept that those obsessive thoughts, that those fearful thoughts, that that's, that's just the way it is. It's always going to be that way. And the actions that we begin to act out, our resolve has been weakened by the oppression to the place that we are now being controlled by the spirits that torment us. All right? So again, this book uh, written by uh, Brother Doug White that addresses the 12 spirits of hell, and that's the entry that we've used every week into it. So the tenth of the spirits, there are two others that we're going to get into as I stated, but the tenth tenth of the spirits that we're addressing is mentioned four times in Scripture. And each of them are identified in the writings of John, in, in the epistles of John. And we find this demonic spirit first identified in John's first epistle. So let's read in 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. And on your screen you can see this passage of Scripture. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. All right? So tonight we are talking about the Antichrist spirit. And I'll stop here and mention that uh, the email that went out earlier, I believe, had the uh, handout that you can download. And uh, you may not have, obviously, if you're doing that right now, you won't be able to print it out perhaps in time. But certainly you can follow along with us as we talk tonight about the Antichrist spirit and say, wow, what amazing timing that in times like these we're talking about the Antichrist spirit. Well, this, we were going to be doing this tonight whether it was, uh, whether uh, coronavirus were here or not. So it may be a little bit coincidental, but I, again, there aren't coincidences in the kingdom of God. However, we're not really going to be talking about the Antichrist that you might be thinking of. So let's, let's look at that first. Our general understanding of the Antichrist is a man who embodies the undiluted spiritual corruption playing a key role in the final days of time. So when I say the Antichrist, that's what we think of most often. That's most likely what you thought of is that person who in the, the last days, the Bible talks about this evil person who's gonna be able to operate with uh, just a undiluted spiritual power, all right, and is going to play a very key role, a deceptive role in the final days. According to Scripture, in the end time, this man, referred to as the Antichrist, will make his appearance attempting to deceive the world. In the book of Revelation, John referred to the Antichrist as the beast. The Antichrist, or the beast, will be so thorough in his deceptive ways that he will receive worship from everyone except for God's very elect. All right? Even people that know the Antichrist is coming are going to be deceived because there's going to be such a power of deception that he is going to possess. However, while this end-time Antichrist of the book of Revelation will be a literal entity, we would be wise to remember John's admonition. So let's read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that that Antichrist shall come. All right, that being the Antichrist, the person. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So in this verse, 
God, through the writing of John, differentiates between that Antichrist and many Antichrists. So he said, that Antichrist will come, but now there are many Antichrists. Well, how can that be? If there is going to be one entity that rises up in the end time as the Antichrist, why does the writer say, now there are many Antichrists? The reason the Bible speaks of both the Antichrist and many Antichrists is revealed in the verse that tells us the spirit of Antichrist has been in the world for a long time. And while the man who will be the Antichrist will appear in the last day, the spirit of Antichrist has been around since the beginning of time. So yes, there is coming a man that will embody this, this, this demonic anointing, if you would, that will be that, that, that man, that one Antichrist, but the writer is saying that the spirit of Antichrist is already here, and it's been around since the beginning of time. In the spirit of this 12th demonic apostle, or the 10th, because we are skipping a couple of them, uh, known as the spirit of Antichrist, which pushes many in our day to provide the same hindrances and deceptions the Antichrist of the end time will accomplish. So though that one person is going to come, the things that he is going to do are already being done through the spirit of Antichrist. So we can make better sense of the Antichrist, the many Antichrists, and the spirit of Antichrist, the differentiation between them, by summing up these terms in one sentence. So here it is. Here's how we can distinguish between them. In the end time, the Antichrist will appear. But already, there are many Antichrists being driven by a demonic spirit of Antichrist during, or rather trying to accomplish the same thing the end time Antichrist will do in the last day. So there is coming that Antichrist. But already there are many people, many Antichrists that are being driven by a spirit of Antichrist. And, and that spirit that is at the root of it is trying to accomplish the very same thing that that one evil man is going to accomplish in the last days. So with that being established, the differentiation between the Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist, it should be noted that our goal tonight is not to offer an opinion on the beast. So we're not really here tonight to talk about that, that man or who, you know, we're not here tonight to try and identify who is the beast. I know that uh, not long ago we had Brother uh, Irvin Baxter who came and that's his specialty, all right? If you want to know, uh, you know, he can give you some insight on the, that Antichrist. So if you want to go to the End Time website and look that up, he's your guy. That's not what we're here tonight to talk about. Instead, we would derive greater benefit from understanding one of the most effective demonic generals in existence, and that is the spirit of Antichrist. To better understand the spirit of Antichrist, we should start by cataloging what Scripture tells us about it. So here's some things that the Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that every spirit that denies the existence or the influence of God is Antichrist. So if we want to identify the spirit of Antichrist, then here's how we know the spirit of Antichrist. One, it will deny the existence or the influence of God. Next, Scripture denotes that some Antichrists are from the world around us. All right, so some are from the world that we live in, but 
listen to this, others went out from among us having been a part of God's church at some point. That lets us know that even people that have been among us are now being controlled by antichrist spirits and now they are antichrist. Again, not the evil dude that's coming in the end day, but people that embody what that evil dude is trying to do. Next, it says false prophets that try to emulate the works of God are antichrist. So false prophets that are trying to emulate, trying to copy what God is able to do, they're antichrists. And then lastly, those promoting false gods in an attempt to minimize our one true God are antichrists. Let me pause. What scripture? I was actually coming uh, from 1 John. Sister Mia, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 was the passage that I was coming from. If that was the question, let me know if I answered the question. All right, so the term antichrist literally means against Christ and is often spoke of as being an adversary of Christ or an opponent of Christ. In that light, the spirit of antichrist fulfills a much broader role than just being personified in a man during the end time. Rather, there are many things that you and I must battle to live for God that rightfully could be discerned as Antichrist. I know we all get scared of, you know, the, the, who is the Antichrist? Is it this leader? Is it that leader? All right? But lit, really, that guy that's coming, there are already spirits that are working to accomplish what he is going to do in the end time. So rather than just being concerned about finding out who that guy is, we need to be aware that those spirits are already at work, not only in our world, but also in the church. And we'll talk about that. So let's go through the list of manifestations of the spirit of Antichrist. Long list coming up. I had to break it down into two slides tonight. There's a long list. All right, here we go. Acting against biblical truth. These are the manifestations. That when we, when we see these manifestations, we need to understand the root of them, again, is the spirit of Antichrist. First of all, acting against biblical truth. In other words, if I see it in the scripture and I decide to go against it, that is Antichrist. Acting against God's church. Acting against God. Acting against God's word. Agnosticism. Atheism. I know we, we want to chalk that, well, it's just a different way of thinking. No, it's, it's a spirit of Antichrist. All right, the attempts to rationalize spiritual manifestations. All right, so God comes in and does something powerful in somebody's life, but we want to try to rationalize it. God does a, a work, a miraculous work, and we want to rationalize it. That is spirit of Antichrist. Why? Because it's taking glory away from God that belongs to him. Blasphemy. Denying God's power, denying the blood of Jesus, denying the deity of Christ, discord, harassing the people of God, hindering God's kingdom, humanism, intellectualism, lawlessness, new age teachings, opposing growth, it's talking about, obviously, opposing spiritual growth, growth in the church, 
opposing somebody's growth in God. I, I be, again, be careful that when God is trying to take somebody to another dimension that you step in to hinder that because you are harboring the spirit of Antichrist when you do that. Opposing heartfelt worship. Opposing ministry. Opposing obedience to scripture. Opposing progress. Persecution of righteousness. Rationalizing God's miracles. Rationalizing spiritual gifts. Rebellion. Refuting prophecies. Refuting God's direction. Self-superior human reasoning. And lastly, worldliness. All right, so those are the manifestations. And again, we can argue with people. Some of these, you know, some of these things are dealing with intellectualism and humanism and people rationalizing things and atheism. You can sit there and argue with those people and you're probably not going to get much done. Or you can go to the root of it and deal with the spirit of Antichrist and wage war in prayer against the spirit of Antichrist and see much more progress, okay, because the problem isn't atheism. The problem is, is there's a spirit at the root of it. All right, we should recall that from the beginning of time, Satan sought to dethrone God. Satan surmised that if God wasn't in the place of all, uh, all authority, that Satan said, I, I will get the glory. If I can just get God out of a place of all power and authority, that I can get the glory. The book of Isaiah gives us a glimpse into Satan's motivation and desire. Isaiah 14, verse 13. Speaking of Satan, for thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And then I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Now we know that Satan's wicked plan fell through and he was cast out of heaven. But his desire hasn't changed. To this day, he is driven by a desire to stop God from getting the glory that God alone deserves. And so the spirit of Antichrist searches, it's always looking for some way to do what Satan intended to do, what Lucifer tried to do on that fateful day when he got kicked out of heaven. And that is to hinder, hurt, or halt the progress of the kingdom of God and stop this world from considering the God that it so desperately needs. So anything that the enemy can do to get you, to get me, to get our world to believe either there isn't a God or God doesn't have all power, all right, any of that is the tactic, the goal of the enemy from the beginning. We understand that there are many forces at work to try to emulate the power and the authority of God. Right? There, there are many forces at work trying to emulate the power and the authority of God. In the book of Exodus, we find magicians of Pharaoh who tried to compete with signs and wonders that had been done and, uh, in Pharaoh's palace through Moses. All right? They're trying to, Moses and uh, Aaron, they walk in there and they, uh, they cast down their rod and it became a serpent. What does Pharaoh do? He tells his magicians to do the same thing. And that would go on for many of the different, uh, many of the, the plagues that were brought by God through Moses and Aaron that Pharaoh called in his magicians and they emulated what God had done. The magicians sought to convey to the people observing the scenes what they were trying to prove was that Egypt's gods and their priests were just as powerful as the God of Moses. 
because at all costs, they wanted to stop the people from acknowledging God as an awesome, unconquerable force. Now, in our Western culture of America, the spirit of Antichrist works in a very different manner than it did in Pharaoh's court and that it, than it does in many of our third world countries today. It's not unusual in many third world countries to go and demons manifest themselves. All right, you, you go and, 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 and they, they just show up right there in front of you. But the evil spirit of Antichrist seeks to minimize or deny the power of God entirely. And here's how we see them manifest in our culture today. Schools now battle against things like prayer and the Bibles. It wasn't that long ago that the Bible was actually the textbook. Every lesson in school was taught from the Bible. It wasn't that long ago that the school day began with prayer. Well, the spirit of Antichrist worked, and now you can be kicked out of school for bringing a Bible. You can be expelled from school for prayer. All right, those are real things that have happened. Why? Because that spirit of Antichrist. Humanism, or rather humanistic mentalities, mock those who trust in God. Right? If today, right, you, you say that you believe in God, there will be people that will mock you, that are going to make fun of you. They're smarter than you. They've, they've been enlightened. They've got education. And, and, and many of our educational systems today, they are out to try to prove there is no God. They're, they've not been able to do that, but that's their goal. The Ten Commandments have been removed from the courthouse walls. All right, again, this is how the spirit of Antichrist works in our culture. Intellectuals attempt to explain away miracles. All right, you tell them that God healed you. All right, you, you, you tell them of some miraculous work and they're going to explain it away. That, that, that wasn't really God. That was just the power of the human body. That wasn't God. That was just, you know, maybe the first diagnosis that showed that tumor was just a misdiagnosis. And the second one, you know, that was just, and they'll, they'll do everything they can to explain it away. The shaming of even, we see it, sports figures who kneel in prayer and they are shamed by, uh, by, by media. It's amazing. You can do anything else. And, uh, you, you know, you, we, we see all kinds of things that go on in, in uh, the sports arena and they're quick to forgive those and overlook them. But you kneel in prayer and it, it's looked down upon. Uh, di dis discrimination against Christianity by other groups. We, we see that more and more in our society today. Now, here's what we need to understand. All of these things are sent not to make us feel bad, but the purpose of them is to minimize God's influence. And secondly, all of these things are attempts to refute any regard for God. Why, why are we getting prayer out of school? Why has the Bible been removed from school? Why are the Ten Commandments no longer hanging on the walls of our courthouses? Why? Because they're an attempt to refute any regard. We don't want our nation having a regard for God. A nation... That still, and at one time, proudly possess, or, or proclaimed itself to be a nation under, one nation under God. But now we don't want there to be any regard for God. The root of it is simply this. All of these things are driven by the spirit of Antichrist. Sadly, one of the places where the spirit of Antichrist is most active in our present society here in America is within our churches. Uh, we didn't have any problem when we were talking about the school and the Bible and prayer being taken. We were all amen. 
All right, when we talked about the courthouse and the, the, the Ten Commandments being removed, we, yes, amen, that's Antichrist. But let's talk about maybe the greatest uh, uh, hotbed of the spirit of Antichrist, and that's within our churches. While carnal people may think they're using common sense, the reality is that some on the periphery of God's church are being influenced by the demonic spirit of Antichrist. How does that happen? Well, let's look at some of the ways. First of all, members deliberately making certain cultures unwelcome. Somebody has a different skin color. All right, they're they're not from the same social uh, rung that you're you're from, and we make them feel unwelcome. That is a spirit of antichrist. Well, no, that's just, we're just traditional. We just always been this way. No, that's a spirit of antichrist. I don't care what color people are; they belong in the church. They should be welcome in the church. Here's another way: carnal saints attacking the decisions. That the pastor makes. All right. Now, Brother White wrote this book. That might be self-serving if I wrote the book, but he wrote the book, so I'm just reading what he wrote. But it's true that when carnality among the the saints attacking every decision that that a pastor makes. All right. Next, territorial members warring against other church members. That could be over anything. All right. We can find reasons to fight within the body, if, we, if we're not careful. But we have to understand, again, the root of that is a spirit of antichrist. Why? Because uh, it, the, 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 end, the, the bottom line is the enemy is working to keep God from getting glory. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Another way, rebellious congregations warring against the ministry. Shouldn't be that the pulpit is at war with the pew. It should be that we're all working together. Next, rejecting outreach for fear of losing positions or influence. Right? I don't want to win new people because they might come in and they might take my, my place. All right? And so out of fear of position or influence, we, we, I, don't, you know, I don't want new people coming in because they might get close to the pastor. All right? well, that's, that's a spirit of antichrist. Refusing to respond to any type of spiritual inspiration. All right? That's... I would just tell you that that's alive and well in the church. You're not going to move me, preacher. Worship team, you're not going to get me to respond. Well, that's not you. You need to understand you're being influenced by a spirit of antichrist. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a war to get you to be inspired. You should be coming to church. And I think the one, it, it, many good things I think are going to come out of this time, but one of those are we are going to be an inspired people when we get back together. I believe our first worship service when we get back together is going to be amazing. It's going to be dynamic. I can't wait to preach the Sunday that we all come back together for a first time. Amen. Probably won't ever have had so many amens that I'm going to have that Sunday. Resenting true worship in response to the touch of God. All right. Hard-hearted. People that sit there stoic and intentionally saying, you're not going to move me. Okay, you need to understand if that's you, you're harboring a spirit of antichrist. Well, I'm just, I've just been through some things. Well, you need to get through some things. Okay, We all go through things. The difference is some stay in things instead of going through them. I'm not going to let a spirit of antichrist. God, if your spirit is going to move, I'm going to allow it to move on me. I'm going to allow it to flow through me. I'm not going to be stubborn. I'm not going to be hard-hearted. I'm going to be a conduit through which you can flow. Amen. 
I agree. I see many of you comment. I can't wait. Cannot wait. I absolutely cannot wait to get back together with all of you. So again, all of these things, whether it's in the world or in the church, all of these things, whether it's Ten Commandments or the pew at war with the, the pulpit, whether it's prayer being taken out of our schools or uh, people intentionally not being moved by worship, we need to understand that these, the purpose of them is to minimize God's influence. All right, They're an attempt to refute any regard for God and they are driven by a spirit of antichrist. How, how these things that we have listed, how can these mentalities be found in churches? How can such spiritual atrocities be found in our churches? They should never be found in God's church. Consider the words of Paul when he wrote to the people in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Carnal mentalities are breeding unholy attitudes that should never be mentioned among God's people. Nevertheless, they are mentioned and they wreak havoc, making a mockery of the things of God to those standing on the outside looking in. So again, it's a spirit of antichrist. Why? Because it's seeking to take glory from getting to God. And, and the, the way that it does that is when we let carnality into the church, when we let the, the pulpit and the pew get in war with one another. When we go to our workplace and we talk about the decision that the, the pastor made that we don't agree with, you need to understand that's a spirit of antichrist because it's at the root of it, it's trying to keep God from getting glory. Because a church, if you go to your, your workplace and you complain about your church and how, to, how the pastor's making decisions you don't like and, and, and what's going on at church you don't agree with, can I tell you that what you're doing is you're robbing God of getting glory? Those attitudes, those unholy attitudes render the kingdom of God to, of none effect to our world that's watching us. And so therefore it is a spirit of antichrist. Actions inspired by the spirit of antichrist serve a vile purpose toward the kingdom of God. Here's what happens. When, when when, when, when you sit in church and you refuse to let God move you, when there's a powerful move of the Spirit, and I, I, as a pastor, I can watch it, and I can do this right now because nobody's here, but I can watch God move, and then I can watch people absolutely intentionally saying, you're not going to move me. And I can see it happen. But you need to understand that what you're, what you're doing is you're making God look powerless. Okay, so God's moving, and all of a sudden, you're sitting there, like a totem pole or a, a bump on a log saying, I'm not moving. And really what you're doing, it's a spirit of antichrist because you're causing others that are watching you to question the power of God. They make God look powerless to onlookers because the onlooker surmises that God cannot change that vile attitude of that one. You claim to be a Christian and yet the spirit of God can't move you. Therefore, God must not be powerful. I want to be the opposite of that. I want to let people walk in here know that my God can do anything, that my God is powerful, that when he moves, amen, any attitude that I may have brought with me, God is going to overcome that and he's going to conquer that. They strip away any regard people once had for God's church because they recognize horrendous character flaws in the lives of those claiming to be in the church. Think about that. 
you think that your bad attitude at work is just about you. It's not. It's Antichrist. All right? Because now your coworker is seeing that horrendous character flaw in you, but you claim to be a child of God, have no integrity, no character, can lie with the best of them. All right? It's, it's a spirit of Antichrist that's robbing God of glory. They cause the very idea of God to appear as a sham because they see some so-called saints are living just as sinfully as they are. So you, you may come to church and you may have all of us fooled, but you're bringing a spirit of Antichrist to the world around you because they watch you live just, as, just like the devil, like everybody else in their world. Old-timers called this the spirit of Jezebel. It's interesting to note that from all indication, the spirit that drove Jezebel was the spirit of Antichrist. Let's consider her actions. Number one, she espoused the fleshly lifestyle of idolatry, allowing her to act sinfully while still claiming to be spiritual. All right, she acted. She espoused idolatry, but still claimed to be spiritual. Next, she demanded influence over God's people. <coughs> Sorry, water break. Normally I do that and everybody gets jealous, but you guys are probably at home right now with iced tea or Coke or Dr. Pepper. So anyway, you're not jealous tonight. She demanded influence over God's people, diminishing their view of God by promoting the worship of Baal. So she brought down the opinion of God by her worship of Baal, spirit of Antichrist. She fought against the true man of God, surrounding herself with false prophets that she could control. Jezebel killed preachers and instead brought around her false prophets that would tell her what she wanted to hear, spirit of Antichrist. She plotted a way to tear away Nabal's righteous inheritance, Nabal's vineyard, minimizing the godly covenant that had given it to him. All right. All of those actions of Jezebel, whether in the church or out of the church, are inspired by the spirit of Antichrist. Even among those claiming to be God's church, it is a spirit warring against everything Jesus came to accomplish. God intended his church to be a theocracy, meaning governed by God. But the spirit of Antichrist wants to demand the church be governed by humanistic reasoning. Sadly, when humanistic reasoning overtakes a church congregation, the evidence of Antichrist is plainly seen. First of all, that church that decides we're going to be controlled by human reasoning and not by the spirit of God, here's some ways we see that manifest. First, they deny the necessity of God's control. Next, they see God's man as a powerless hireling. They don't see the pastor as a man of God. They see him as some guy that we pay to keep the, the organization, the business moving forward. The pastor, yes, that's part of the responsibility of the pastor, but that's not what a pastor is. He is he's either the man of God or he's nothing. He's either put there by God or he's nothing. They initiate compromise to break established covenants. All right? They want... 
They want to introduce compromise into the church to get rid of the covenants that have been made. They reject the need to strive for true holiness. Right? That's, well, that, that's, just, that's just the times. You've got to get with it. No, that's the spirit of Antichrist. We don't need holiness anymore. We absolutely need holiness. All right? Amen? The Bible tells us that if we, that in order to see God, that there's got to be holiness. They become politically driven, ordering for preeminence. All right? When polit- um, politics make it into the, I'm not talking about Democrat and Republican. I'm talking about in the church. When we begin vying, when political factions start rising up in the church, because we want preeminence, right? Because we want to have greater influence. That's the spirit of Antichrist driving that. This has never been the plan of God for the church. Even so, the spirit of Antichrist has always found a way to infiltrate carnal congregations to such a degree. All right, I got to figure out what I typed here. To figure out to such a degree that word should have been a righteous, the word that should have been a righteous refuge becomes a spiritual circus. I think it should be the church that should have been a righteous refuge. I apologize. I know on your handout that one's there. All right, so let's read that again, and you can rearrange it. Even so, the spirit of Antichrist has always found a way to infiltrate carnal congregations to such a degree that the church that should have been a righteous refuge becomes a spiritual circus. So when these things that we listed, where we, we want, uh, where we don't want God to have control, we want there to be humanism, where the preacher is not a man of God but just a hireling, when those things begin to happen, the church is no longer a righteous refuge, but it becomes a spiritual circus. It would make complete sense that the spirit of Antichrist would seek to do its greatest damage, not in our world, but in the very institution that is supposed to be promoting God's cause. The spirit of Antichrist is not at work in the world. It's at work in the church because we're the entity supposed to be bringing glory to God. We're the people that, God should be, that, that, that our world should be looking at to see how great God is. But if the enemy can reduce the church into a bunch of people squabbling and fighting, led by humanism, by humanistic reasoning and carnality, then what happens is the glory of God is removed from the world. While certainly not every congregation is consumed by the spirit of Antichrist, every congregation is susceptible to being influenced by elements that will battle against, minimize, or negate the touch of God altogether. We're no different, Living Hope. All right? We're, we're, we're not immune to that. We need to recognize that the enemy, the spirit of Antichrist, wants to turn this church into a spiritual circus. He doesn't want God to be glorified in this community through this church. So, what's the answer? Well, spiritual warfare. And through these three steps that we're going to talk about right now. Step number one, try the spirits that you encounter. Amen. Try the spirits that you encounter. Among the passages of Scripture that speak about this demonic spirit of Antichrist is an, is an admonition that is both blunt and undeniable. 1 John 4 and 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. God's infallible word declares that some things, though they seem spiritual, 
They're not of God. All right, again, remembering the spirit of Antichrist is at work to do the very same thing that the person, the Antichrist, is going to work to do in the last days. Let me pause real quick. There may be people, there were some people that were going to want to come by to drop off their tithes. So if you hear somebody knocking, that's what that is. Sorry about that little uh, break there. All right. So uh, that Antichrist who is going to deceive the whole world, okay, that the spirits of Antichrist are going to influence people to do the very same thing. So God's word says that there's going to be some people that seem to be spiritual, but they're not of God. I've watched people follow people that came into the church and sounded holy, sounded like they were men and women of God. But they didn't, they didn't try that. They didn't watch it. And they ended up being led away by a seducing spirit that led them into confusion, that led them into a, 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 the, the condition of being lost. You've got to try the spirit. Okay? You don't just try the spirit like you try a doorknob to see whether it's locked. Uh, whether it's locked or not, you try a spirit over time, all right? In other words, along life's journey, you will encounter demonic spirits sent your way to refute, minimize, or attempt to negate God altogether in your life. Again, the Apostle John wrote that, uh, that verse, 1 John 4, 1, to underline the importance of making sure that no unholy spirit, such as the spirit of Antichrist, has ever allowed influence in our lives, the danger of this kind of influence is never more real than when we understand how fearfully close it positions us to blaspheming the Holy Ghost. For someone who once possessed a true relationship with God to be so influenced by the spirit of Antichrist, they suddenly deny God's existence. So that's, that spirit is to bring you to a place, whether it be because you observe hypocrisy, or you get into a war with others, or you no longer believe the pastor is a man of God but is just a hireling. That spirit is to bring you to a place that you deny God's existence. It then hurls that person, a person who once was in relationship with God, that once had a love for God, that once felt the spirit of God. If, the, if, the, if that antichrist spirit can get you to a place where you lock up and you don't allow God to move, it brings you to a place where you deny God's existence and that brings you to a place where you are in a category of people who blaspheme the Holy Ghost and may never again achieve a right standing with God. So it's dangerous when you sit in a worship service and you don't worship. You may think you're just exercising your freedom as an American and, and, and in this life you are. But more than that, you're denying the power of God. When God moves on you and you shut down and you don't let him move, you're denying the power of God. Right? And you're getting close. You're bringing yourself close to a place where you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. That is to deny the power of God. This present danger moves us, or rather behooves us, to heed the admonition to try the Spirit's. Because our fleshly nature can be influenced by the adversarial spirits we encounter, we must employ the simple tactic set forth by the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 5, verse 14. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. All right, Give no occasion. Or any spirit that comes that, that begins to speak against the man of God in your life, 
All right, there, there will be seducing spirits. There, go, there, there have been, there are, there will be people that come into the church trying to seduce away people from the congregation. All right, and they'll wow you, man. They're, they, wow, they're so spiritual. All right, man, they're so, they're, they've got such wisdom. Stick around, try them. Let them stand the test of time. Let them demonstrate submission. Okay, let them demonstrate that they're submitted to spiritual authority. Try them. If they begin to speak ill against the body of Christ, if they begin to tear down the man of God in your life, if they begin to try to rile up dissension in the body, Paul said, here's how you defeat that spirit. Don't give any occasion for it. If they start talking like that, distance yourself from them. That's step one. Step two, never allow your respect for the things of God to fade. I'm going to say that again on this Wednesday night because it fits right now like never before. Never allow your respect for the things of God to fade. Amen. I, that's one thing that as a pastor I'm, I believe is going to be powerful. That I'm praying if nothing else out of this time will happen because I watch I watch good people that I know, I know at least at one time you love God and you love the things of God, but I watch as it just becomes, it just becomes what you do on Sunday and what you do on Wednesday, and there's really no respect and there's no admiration for the things of God any longer. You're on autopilot in your relationship with God. The second admonition God gives us to assist in warfare against the spirit of Antichrist is to guard ourselves against any spiritual erosion of our respect for the things of God's kingdom. Time. Touch three people and say time. There's not even three people here tonight. Well, there, there's four. There, we're, we're practicing social distancing. We're like all on separate parts of the room tonight. Time has a way of slowly eroding our reverence for spiritual things. Allowing the things of God to appear commonplace or as nothing special. Time. This isn't anyone's fault. It's simply a fact of life. God, please help every one of us to remember that spiritual things given by you are always special. God, help us to remember as I speak to an empty building tonight. Help us to remember that the body of Christ is special. I don't ever want to take for granted again the body of Christ. Amen? Help us to remember that the body of Christ, that the things of God that are given to us are always special. God's word warns us about this natural erosion of time and instructs us to guard against this erosion of time. Understand, it's an antichrist spirit. That through that erosion of time, an antichrist spirit enters in. And here's what John says, 2 John verse 8. Look to yourselves, investigate yourself, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Make sure, he said, investigate yourself. Take heed, pay attention, that we don't lose the things that we got but make sure we hold on to them that we get a full reward. It would be a tragedy to lose the righteous elements that our spiritual leaders have worked so hard to maintain. 
It's, it would be easy for the enemy to come in and rob holiness away from living hope. Easy. It's happened all over the country. It's happened in denominations. It's happening today. And it would be so easy to let them go. We need to understand holiness is a blessing from the Lord. Amen. We have got to take heed, look to ourselves that we don't, holiness, somebody paid a price. Apostles laid down their lives so that we could have holiness. And we need to make sure that we don't lose them. It is imperative that we keep a healthy respect for the things of God. Second John verses 10 through 11 go on and says this. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, listen, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. If somebody comes to you and they are telling you something contrary, now this doesn't, isn't talking about a sinner. This is talking about somebody with influence coming into your life, coming into your home, somebody trying to influence you to step away from righteousness and holiness and godliness. John says, don't receive him into your house and don't bid him Godspeed. Right? Don't, don't be getting on Facebook people that are living in fornication and, and, and things that are going on that, and you want to wish, good luck. We're so happy for you. All right, I, again, I'm not saying you got to be a jerk and get on there and, and tear them apart, but John said you're, you're, you are entertaining a spirit of antichrist when you start high-fiving and congratulating and thumbs-up liking and little heart emojiing people that are living contrary to the word of God. How are you going to, how are you going to bid them Godspeed? Listen, for he that biddeth that person Godspeed, congratulating them is what Godspeed is, is a partaker of his evil deeds. Well, I didn't do it. According to the word of God, when you congratulate them on their unholy living, you, in God's eyes, are a partaker of the same sin they committed. All right? Now, some of you are giving me thumbs up right now. That's good. But we need to be careful about that because you're entertaining a spirit of antichrist when we congratulate people that are in the world living contrary to the word of God. The fact that we maintain a respect for spiritual things that we have been given is of such importance to God that the above passage tells us even accommodating one who defies his word renders us equally guilty of the sin they have committed. I know I'm on Facebook Live and I've got a little bit of an audience right now. But if I get in there and I begin congratulating somebody who's in a same-sex relationship and I begin telling them how cute their relationship is, according to the word of God, I am guilty of the same sin they're guilty of. Again, doesn't mean you've got to be a jerk and get on there and ridicule and slander people. That's stupid. That's dumb. All right, But it does mean that when I congratulate people in living a life that is in opposition to the word of God, I am guilty of the same sin. If people are shacking up and living together and, and adulterating and fornicating and I want to get on there and tell them, oh, how cute you are, according to the word of God, I'm guilty of the same sin they're guilty of. Pause. Let that sink in. Now, I believe this time that we are in, I've mentioned this a little bit, but we are where we're not able to gather together as freely has created a greater appreciation for the body of Christ. I believe that. Again, I believe that first Sunday back together is going to be incredible. However, I believe that our focus during this time 
What we focus on during this time will determine its outcome because the fact is this is going to end. We are going to come back together, whether it's a week from now. I know I've heard the president is saying he wants this done by Easter Sunday. I don't know if that will happen or not, but it, sooner or later it will happen and we will be back together again. And what comes out of that, what the, the, what the impact of that determines on what our focus is. If, if this love we have, this renewed love we have for one another and the church is just about us missing one another, us longing for fellowship and community, if that's what this is about, it will be satisfied once our service has resumed. We'll have one good church service and we'll be really happy to see each other. But then after that, that craving is satisfied, we will go right back to the way it was. Church, it'll just be, well, that's what we do on Sunday. And that's what we do on Wednesday. And oh yeah, you're just a member of the church. And, and so I have to shake your hand. However, if we will take this time right now to realize that this is not just about me missing familiar faces or me indulging in what has become a sacred habit, but it is about a wonderful and precious gift that has been given to me to be able to be a part of the body of Christ. This isn't just about me seeing you. This isn't just about uh, me being able to restore an old habit that I have in my life, but what a precious gift I have been given to be a part of the body of Christ. There are things that are afforded to us that when we gather together simply cannot be duplicated when we are not together. This isn't just about when we come back together again, oh, I get to see you and shake your hand, I missed you, so good to see you. No, it's about, man, I, I never realized what a gift I had in being a part of the body of Christ. And now, because I realize that, I am not gonna quench the Holy Ghost. When the Spirit of God begins to move, amen, you may have been the one that, that before when the God began to move, you sat there and your mind was distracted. I hope that this time isn't just awakening in you that you miss somebody in the church, but that the next time we come together, I will not be the one that quenches the Spirit of God. If we will dig deeper than just resuming our routines and the reunion of friendly faces, but if we'll dig deeper and now realize that it's a divine privilege to be a part of the body of Christ, and can I tell you, it's not going to be just one service, but there is going to be a stimulating of spiritual growth and revival that is going to come to the church. When we lose our appreciation for the things of God, it isn't long before our relationship with God will also fade. And then when our relationship with God and our appreciation for the things of God begin to fade, you suddenly begin seeing unholy actions inspired by the Antichrist spirit and damage is done. In other words, when I don't understand what I've got here, when I take the church for granted and Sunday church is just two hours on my calendar and it's just a, a routine that I've gotten in the habit of doing, that is an appreciation for the things of God being lost. And when that happens, our relationship with God begins to fade. And when that happens, we begin to enter into Antichrist unholy actions, and then the kingdom of God is damaged. Remember that God declared the Antichrist spirit would sometimes even come from within the congregation. Remember, he said it's come uh, some that came out from the church. So consider the following. I've never seen a church that feels comfortable attacking the ministry become a true revival church. Never. 
Churches that are revival churches are churches that are in agreement with the ministry. I have never seen anybody greatly anointed. Listen, I have never seen anybody greatly anointed who was not first submitted to spiritual authority. Why? Because a lack of submission is antichrist. And I have never seen problematic people who keep disunity stirred up. They're not happy unless there's a problem in the church. They're creating chaos in the congregation. I've never seen those problematic people who thrive on their being disunity and thrive on problems. They are not, I've never seen those people be truly spiritual people. Why? Because their hindrances are driven by the spirit of Antichrist. Suffice it to say, being careless, being careless, living hope, let this time that we are in awaken us to never be careless with our respect for the things of God. Please don't let this just be about, well, I miss seeing pastor or I miss shaking his hand or I miss so-and-so or I just love that routine in my life. Please don't let it be, but let it awaken within you during this time, your respect for the things of God, amen, and your relationship with God, amen? Being careless with your respect for the things of God or your relationship with God of those things, of those spiritual things is a sure way to open a door in your life for the attitudes and the actions of the Antichrist spirit. Likewise, keeping the respect and the relationship with God it protects is a sure way to stop. And so how do I keep the spirit of Antichrist from gaining access? If, if all these people are gonna be deceived by Antichrist, how do I make sure that spirit that is already at work doesn't deceive me? Keep an appreciation for the things of God. Love the people of God. Love the body of Christ. Don't see your pastor as a hireling. See him as an anointed man of God. And then thirdly, continually walk with an anointing from God on your life. The third admonition that protects us against the spirit of Antichrist comes on the heels of how to identify the spirit of Antichrist at work. Once we have identified this demonic spirit, our task is now simple. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. You have an unction from the Holy One. The word unction is simply defined as be smeared with anointing. I think that's on your, coming up on your screen. Be smeared with anointing. That is a word. It's a King James word, at least. The word unction means to be besmeared with anointing. This verse tells us that we're not qualified to enter into spiritual warfare against the Antichrist if we don't have an anointing on our lives that keeps the demonic spirit of Antichrist at bay. I cannot defeat the spirit of Antichrist without an anointing on my life. Secondly, when the writer said, and you know all things, we know that what he's not saying, he's not inferring that humanity possesses the, the, uh, the, the wisdom of God. Rather, our ability to protect ourselves from the demonic spirit of Antichrist will require 
consistently walking with an anointing from God and being constantly aware of every unholy tactic. He's not saying you know all things, you've got all knowledge, you've got all wisdom. What he's saying is when you're besmeared with anointing, you have an awareness. You're aware of unholy tactics. You're aware when the enemy is trying to use people in your life to stir up division and strife. You're aware, you know, many people are deceived. And, and when people sit around and start tearing down the pastor, they just, they do it too. Why? Because they've lost their anointing. But when you're anointed, you recognize that spirit is there to tear down the body of Christ so that God won't receive glory. If you are dealing with someone who is caught up in the spirit of Antichrist, first, be aware that in some cases, there are cases where people have gone too far to be helped. They've been overcome by a spirit of Antichrist. They have a hatred for everything holy. However, in situations where help is still a possibility, you must approach spiritual warfare with the understanding that you walk with anointing from God and you are not going to get caught off guard by the tactics of the spirit of Antichrist. In other words, if I know somebody who is under the, uh, they're under the influence of a spirit of Antichrist, right? They, they want to be that person who sits there during worship. I'm gonna let everybody know you ain't gonna move me. You need to understand they're under the influence of the spiritual of Antichrist and the only way you can approach that is you've got to be besmeared with anointing. All right, so walk in anointing. Be aware of any seed of doubt or unbelief. Because when you get around people that are under that, that spirit will begin to try to, to attack your mind. So be aware of any seed of doubt or unbelief the spirit of Antichrist shows in your life. Use the anointing on your life to bind the spirit and drive it away. Amen. So let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, I pray as we come to the conclusion of this series and each of the spirits that we have addressed for the purpose, Lord, of us being able to identify, Lord, not just to war against the manifestations, but to war against the spirit. Lord, that we know how we've been given practical steps with each of these spirits, how to defeat them. And Lord, we now must possess the desire to defeat them. And I know that there are good people in this church. Again, as was said in the study tonight, Lord, we can become to a place, Lord, where we don't appreciate the things of God simply because of time. Because we've been coming to church our whole lives, we lose our appreciation for the body of Christ. Because we've had the same pastor in our lives for so many years, we lose our appreciation for the man of God and the authority that he possesses. But Lord, I pray tonight that God, you would give us a fresh appreciation for the things of God. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would give us a fresh a fresh appreciation for the Spirit of God at work in our lives. In the name of Jesus, and we take authority over the Spirit of Antichrist, we will not allow any spirit from within or without God to bring down the body of Christ, Lord, that others would look in and not see the glory of God revealed. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Whether it's this week or in the weeks to come, I look forward to seeing you all back at church again, not just to see your faces, but because there are some things I can only obtain and I can only experience in the presence of the body of Christ. And so I need you all. Amen. I pray for you and I pray that you're praying for me and soon we'll be back together. But let it not just be that when we come together that it's that we're so thankful I mean, because it's been so long and it's just good to know I want it to be just it's good to see you. I want to be thank God for the gift of the body of Christ.
Amen. The Lord bless you. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you.